Hello everyone, welcome to the Akuma Podcast. We talk, it's Nico here. I'm so excited to be here today because I've got a special guest on this episode. And you're going to hear me talking to Angamat, uh, best in Norway as well. So we're going to both of us talking to this special guest. She's the founder of Dignity Education Vision International. Please, can you introduce yourself and tell us where you are and what you do? I'm Sunita Gandhi. I grew up in India. Then I spent 26 years overseas. I did my undergrad and doctorate in the UK, and I ended up as an economist at the World Bank in Washington, D.C. Then I had this um, realization that I want to come back home. And so I'm back home in India. And right now I'm working on literacy, have been doing so since 2014. And initially it was uh, energizing student volunteers who already know how to read to find somebody who's illiterate and bring them into the fold of literacy. So I created a disruptive pedagogy. At that time, we were also doing a campaign called Global Dream Campaign. And today I'm working nationwide and worldwide on literacy. Oh, thank you again. This is really amazing um, to hear you telling us, introducing us to your um, wonderful, wonderful uh, vision when it comes to dignity education. Uh, my question is, is any programs that they are already ongoing in African countries? Yes, so we, we are doing things in Africa. We've just begun to uh, engage uh, governments in Cote d'Ivoire, in um, Morocco, uh, Nigeria, uh, Ghana, and Zimbabwe. And uh, there are different levels of, uh, of engagement. We are hoping to get into more African countries. In Zimbabwe, we have a discussion with the government on an MOU to start working there. So we're we're preliminary stage in Africa. We're also collaborating in Africa with two organizations. Uh, one is AASU, which is All Africa Students Union, and uh, that has become a very strong partner with us. They have youth um, uh, participation from 54 countries of Africa, and then also we are working with. FAWE, which is Federation of African Women Educationists. So these are, uh, you know, collaborations uh, that we have forged. We have uh, a partnership agreement. Now we are looking at how to uh, get more out there in Africa. Thank you so much for uh, explanation there. It's really amazing. So as I said from the beginning, I'm so excited to be part of this episode today. So now we're going to hear from Angamat. Me and Angamat, we know each other for a while now. We've done some free programs together during the COP26, but we met online on, on these programs during the lockdown. So Angamad, she's on the World Climate School and partnership with the project in Zimbabwe. So I'm going to hand over to you, Angamad. You want to share something with us? Yes, I can. Um, thank you, Nico. It's so nice to be here and on this uh, talk about a very important thing. Uh, literacy and uh, basic human rights to for children and adults to to manage skills of uh, reading, writing, and mathematics and civic engagement in in our communities. Uh, Nico, we met um, before COP twenty six, 
and we met through interactive theater and uh, and uh, online on Zoom. And that was really cool because then they invited me to come to Glasgow and to stay and to at your house for the COP26 days together with my dear friend Alexandra and Sadaf and um, and part of the in fact we, me, uh, Sunita and myself we also met then but we met at the, the famous uh, you were there Nico at this uh, conference at the University of Glasgow on on uh, on the future of um, economics so that's why it's also cool to have Sunita on this conversation on about um, literacy and in fact how do we finance that kind of necessity to mm. do some educational progress for all so um, I think uh, but I'll, yes I have to mention that for sure my my love is for Zimbabwe and my daughter <laughs> is Zimbabwean and Norwegian and and that's why we're saying that the World Climate School and the engagement with schools in Zimbabwe is literacy, yeah. but it's also climate literacy in, in a broader sense. And uh, on that note, I also like to say that I was in Egypt for COP27. And the legacy for COP27 was, of course, the climate education and, and youth engagement in, in the basic rights to education. So... Yeah. Um, so much to talk about, so I'll stop here and have a break and get let Sunita uh, explain what she's doing with her alpha program. It's called the Accelerate, Accelerated Learning for All. So Thank you, Anger Matt. Uh, um, I totally agree with you. I think we should hear more from our special guest today. So I'm going to hand over to you, Sunita, to take us step by step on this program. Um, yeah, so I'm going to hand over to you. Thank you, Nico. I really so appreciate being here. Ninger is such a dear friend. She's become so committed to, you know, the things I'm doing. And I really find it fascinating um, that we can work together, you know, two different continents connected by one common cause. And uh, really lovely to then, you know, also get to know you, Nico, and to be on this show. So delighted. I would like to say that, look, I mean, I grew up to a family of privileged um, they were not privileged when we began, but over time, you know, it became the biggest school in the world. My family runs that. It's in the Guinness Book of Records. It's called City Montessori School, Lucknow. And, uh, but I got the opportunity to study abroad. I went to study in uh, England. I did my doctorate from Cambridge University in physics. Then I ended up, you know, so all these opportunities, you know, it's amazing working at the World Bank and all. And I think, you know, I should make use of this for, for a greater good. And uh, we were not always privileged. Uh, we grew up in poverty in the beginning. And, uh, but I got the opportunity. And I think education is a great breakthrough. We all know that. And, um, uh, you know, I feel with the children I'm working with in the slums, in the villages, these kids have super potential, amazing potential. And yet we're not able to bring it out. And I think education, not giving education is a sin. It's actually bad. We, we, cannot, we cannot accept the fact these children don't have an education because that's what is going to, what's going to give them a break uh, for the rest of their lives. You know, we don't want these kids who are six today, be 60 and still be in utter poverty and living with the sense of um, not feeling that dignity that everybody should feel uh, on planet Earth. So 
I felt it my moral calling to come back and, and kind of work on this um, very sincerely and uh, basically began experimental work uh, in India, uh, in the slums, looking at how do they, you know, what are their constraints? Why are they not learning? And I discovered the missing ingredient was the pedagogy. Now, this is not accepted worldwide. You know, people think, oh, just, you know, tighten the bolts on the teacher, let the teacher work harder. If the teacher does a good job, the children will learn. You know, all this is fine. But why is it that still after grade five, children are 10 years of age, five years they've done schooling and they still cannot read. 53% could not read before the COVID after five years of schooling. Today, after, of course, COVID hit a you know dire blow, we have 70% um, of children who cannot read. In some countries in Africa, 90% of children cannot read. And I think this is inexcusable because it's not just about the children, it's also about the future of the country and the economy. It depends on children's education. Uh, Congo, huge illiteracy. There's only about 10% children who are literate, according to the data. Now that might be right or wrong, we don't know. But the fact is there's a whopping number of kids who are not learning. And there are two aspects to learning. One is that they're not uh, you know, going to school maybe, so they're out of school, right? The other is they're going to school and still not learning. And so that relates to pedagogy. So I started to look at pedagogy with my family-run school. We have, you know, in my own uh, family-run school, we have 60,000 children. And, um, you know, so I had a big laboratory, huge laboratory. And at the same time, I wanted to understand how these people in the slums, you know, why they don't go to study, why they don't go to school. And if they do go to school, why are they not learning? And uh, uh, there, was, there were lots of questions in my mind. One of, one of them was, if they know their own mother tongue, they know how to speak. And speaking is a natural thing. You know, we all learn without being, being taught. We learn this to, re, uh, to speak. Why not to read? And why can't we use the advantage of uh, the uh, learner knowing their own mother tongue? They can speak. They know this is a table, this is a tree, this is that. They're, they're having full conversation. They're very wise. You know, they're even doing businesses, but they don't know how to read. So... Can't we use that as an advantage? So this is where the breakthrough came. And uh, what, where we are at is with the pedagogy, a new pedagogy. We need a new pedagogy. We had a new pedagogy when uh, Dr. Maria Montessori in the, in the suburb of Rome, working with the underprivileged children, came up with the Montessori method. That was a breakthrough. We need that kind of a breakthrough today. And I feel we probably have it. Now the world has to decide, is it true, is it not true? It's called alpha accelerating learning for all and uh, it, it's vastly different it's totally different in the way it works totally different pedagogy and the results from it are coming in such a short time it's uh, like the mobile phone comparison with a landline it's a different design it has multiple outcomes and has amazing outcomes in a very short time well thank you again there um you mentioned a few countries in Africa. My question is like, um, how does it work? What what are the challenges, for example? Uh, because we all know that most of African countries, they have a problem politically or politically unstable, for example. How does the government engage with outsiders like yourself bringing this amazing, uh, wonderful idea, a vision, for example? Is there a challenge on political situations? And what do you think that makes um, 
African children not learn fast and yeah something like that but i'm i'm all i'm i'm actually focusing on the on the engagement with the government uh, politically in african countries yes i i i think that i don't know enough about politics in any case it's not something um, that we can do much about um when you look at you know why is there a lack of an education uh it's actually not very easy to understand because there are schools and children are enrolled right so obviously the governments are spending the money for education they're trying to get the highest enrollments um but somewhere something is going wrong in the uh, way the uh, enabling climate is not there or the um, teachers are not teaching the right way we are still married to the old and the rote and we need to get out of that which is where i'm coming from you know i think that we need to get over that you know old way of doing things uh, it's too archaic it's too uninteresting children are not enjoying teachers are not enjoying everybody's feeling pressure there's there's no real um feeling of accomplishment for anyone children are under pressure there's a lot of com- competition uh, the whole scene is um needing a complete overhaul and this can only be done through disruption because incremental change you know there's incremental change there's the uh, the uh, uh paradigm shift and when we look at incremental change you know we say okay now we've got the mobile so our today's mobile is not the same as 15 years ago mobile or 10 years ago mobile each year we're changing we're improving because we put it into into uh, practice and we see certain things that can be done better so that's all incremental but that mobile phone from the beginning before it even you know um it was very bulky and uninteresting at the beginning even at that time it was a distinctly different technology than the landline mm. so it was complete paradigm shift shift you can't keep fixing a, a a train and it becomes the rocket the rocket has to be made from different design principles and similarly what we need is a mobile equivalent or a smartphone equivalent of education i don't mean technology i mean education the pedagogy that goes into uh, how children learn and the transaction of learning how that happens so challenges are many your question third yes. i'm working backwards <laughs> yes inger yes 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 no i think it makes me think about the of course covid and pandemic when schools were in lockdown not in lockdown but they were in lockdown world worldwide and 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 then the distinction between fortunate um, private schools and then you have public schools and and i remember in another conversation we had that you had in india you got a challenge from the government on public schools so maybe you can say something about that uh, pilot or that challenge right so actually when we try to get into an education system that pre existing everybody is already feeling very good about this even if the results are really bad which i don't understand okay how come you know if you're not getting 50% of your children or 80% of children learning then how can you be so proud of it? they keep saying next year it will be better because see we've just done this kind of change or that kind of change and they're ever so hopeful with that this or that kind of change but invariably that change is an incremental change and sometimes even over the years uh from 197 uh, uh, 19 uh, sorry from 2015 to 2018 the results of the world community according to to the world bank report 
they went down, not up. So what are we proud of? Yeah. So results are going down and sometimes maybe up. But if you look at 10 years, there's hardly any progress. You look at year on year progress in the schools, like a child who's, let's say, in grade six goes to grade seven. If you give him the same exact test at the end of the year that he took in grade six, you'll see hardly any progress. Yeah. So we need not that 5%, 3%, 2%, 10% improvement. What we need is 10x improvement. And what is that 10x? You know, how do we get that 10x? And that has been my research. Thank you again for sharing. This is powerful. But my question on this is that um, how do you work around about these distractions called mobile phones, especially in young kids, children nowadays, they all got mobile phones. How do you make sure that when they go home, they're not distracted by mobile phones? <laughs> okay. Uh, that's, of course, very interesting. When they're in school, they don't have the mobile phone. They're still not learning. They're twiddling the thumb. They're not happy. Uh, they're just wasting away their time. Is teacher-led, you know, even if it's child-centric, it is teacher who's running the uh, ruling the roost. And uh, so I think, you know, at home, uh, we have, I just saw today a video of a parent who's been doing this program, the Alpha program. And she said, I'm really happy that my child, when she comes home, she doesn't want to go for the mobile. She wants to go for her Tina Toto puppets and, and to work with them and things like that. So Alpha program is, uh, is engaging children in a, in a different way. They're having fun doing what they're doing and they're learning like gods, but they're also loving learning. And I think that's the key way to get them off the mobile. Uh, the, the mother also said that uh, the, the, the children are uh, coming home and immediately getting to work. Uh, they're not you're even changing their, their uniform and uh, we don't have to remind them of homework. Um, you know, they're constantly asking us questions. They're going to grandparents and asking questions. So I think these are just different engagements. You're seeing a whole new outcome from this system. It's not just, just academics. Oh, thank you again. As I said, great to have you here on the podcast today on this episode. I'm so excited because we are almost coming to the end of the episode. But I've got one or two questions on this one. How long does it take to do the course on this program? And what qualifications do I need to be part of the program? I think lots of people would like to know that. And yes, please, can you I'll hand over to you, Senator? So we have been focusing on foundational literacy and numeracy, which is the foundation of all learning. If you don't have the foundational skills to read, write, and do basic arithmetic, um, you might as well forget the rest of education because obviously how will you learn the rest? Somebody can't coach you and memorize things. And you have to be able to read. You have to be able to read with understanding. And this is the, the biggest challenge. Now, question is, how long does it normally take and how long does it take in alpha? Normally, it takes three years minimum in most countries, depending on the language, number of letters. And then we also have these uh, matras or in Urdu and, and Arabic, they have these accents that they put on top and bottom of the letters. So there's a lot of like, things to learn and the old way of doing it the traditional pedagogy which is whole language based which is uh, you know again a problem because a whole language doesn't work it's sight words you know i teach you to read this particular word but will you be able to read the next one again you're raising your hands so instead of that uh, so it takes three years minimum many most countries right um you learn the letters of the alphabet, like A for apple, B for boy, 
You know, how many of us do that across the world? I think everyone does. And that holds you back. We're saying don't need to teach the letters at all. Actually, uh, you can go and you save a year at least because letters take a year, you know, and instead go straight to um, learning the alpha way. And I'll share with that with you in a minute. But the results are 10x faster. Instead of taking three years, it takes 45 days to learn to read, write, and do basic health. 45 contact days with the children and adults, just 45 days. And some children read in 20 days. Thank you for explanation there, uh, Sunita. Now I understand you can qualify for this program as long as you can read and write. That's great. But I know that we already talked about this, this program is ongoing in African countries already. I was wondering if these books have been translated to our languages, um, to my mother language, language. So, and this one, I'm going to just hand over to Enga Matt. Maybe she wants to uh, chip in something, please. Yes, yes, yes. You, I like to say that um, uh, Zimbabwe is one of those countries that has been translated in the, the, the methodology of alpha is translated into Shona. And we're waiting for the second language of Ndebele. So it means that as, you, as that is your mother tongue, you can actually learn to write and read it. So so maybe that, so that is quite interesting. And uh, it's a breakthrough that you can actually, not only the the main global languages, but you can also go into mother languages that is local localized in countries and across countries. So maybe the X uh, X factor, uh, Sunita. Maybe you can explain more about the 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 forty five days uh, accelerated speed to learn. What's the what's how how is it done? Take it in English, please. <laughs> <laughs> Right. So we have done it in um, 30 languages, uh, 31 to be precise, uh, of the world's languages. And uh, the how does it happen in 45 days? You know, obviously, that's a big question. Right. So it's a vastly different pedagogy. As I mentioned earlier, we're talking about children not having to learn the alphabet at all. They go straight to words. And so how can they do words? Because they don't know. So we have, a, uh, we have this visual in front of them, which they know. So we actually go from known to unknown. And this is really powerful. History has shown, research has shown that known to unknown works, but it's not in our pedagogy that we're using in most places, known to unknown. So we have you know, two pictures in front of you or three pictures in front of you. And for each of them, we say, what's the first sound? Like Nico would be no, right? Enga would be E. So you, know, you figure out the first sounds of those pictures and then you add those sounds to make a word that's simple as that and kids can do it without having le learned the letters of the alphabet and what's beautiful is they see the letters as sound symbols we don't need to teach a b c d or a is for apple or we don't need to teach uh, a uh, or a uh. we don't need to teach that b b you know why teach them b and b both why not bat b you see the bat and the burr falls out of it. It's the first sound, bat, right? So if I want to uh, say bat, burr, apple, a, goat, gur, right? And add the three sounds, burr, a, gur, it becomes bad. That's all. Bingo. And the kids can, you're only five pages. That's all you need to learn the entire uh, letters backwards from words. And you can read 200 words at the same time in 10 to 15 days. That's all. 
This is disruptive. And kids can do it on their own. You don't need a teacher. <laughs> oh, thank you both for coming on this podcast today on this episode. We're almost coming to the end of the episode. So I've got one more or two questions. This question goes to you, Sunita. Can you tell us more about online courses and who they're designed for and how long does it take and what are the benefits of doing online courses on your education program? Uh, we feel is the change will come from the ranks of the teachers. When they adopt this new pedagogy and they see the children happier and they themselves happier because the children are doing ever so well. So I think uh, this is the reason why we are holding uh, the world's first massive open online training, MOOT. And it is for teachers and for trainers. So we're inviting teachers from across the globe. This is the first time we're doing it. We already have registrations for about uh, 700,000 teachers as we speak. Now, that's the very first time we're doing it. We hope this will be on a rolling basis, that we can get lots of teachers across the world, and we're offering it for free. Anyone can join. And everybody can can start to use this pedagogy. It's very simple, actually. We want to give it as a gift to the world, free. So you take it and run with it. We will set up an account. We'll give you the the um, uh, the dashboards. We'll give you the access to the materials. Just get going and try it out. We're saying just try it for forty five days, and for one period a day. That's all. So how much risk is that? Give it a try, and if it works for you, continue on with it. That's how we'll reach a billion because we want the teachers to feel this is for them, something new. It's going to make their life easier. It's going to make them happier. And I think we'll, we have a winning proposition there. I'm going to say what a pleasure for myself to be part of this uh, podcast and episode, uh, talking to Sunata Gandhi and Enga Matt. This is my very, very VIP uh, guest on this episode today. But before we close, I'm just going to ask... Uh, Sunita, can you tell us about online training course that's happening on the 9th and the 10th of March? Can you just briefly get to the details? Right. So the very first MOOT, M-O-O-T, Massive Open Online Training, is taking place on 9th and 10th of March. And everyone's invited uh, to please join. And uh, you can look it up. Uh, it's Massive Open Online Training. So it should be available on the net. Just look it up and you'll find a way to come into it and register. Um, we are working with many African countries now, but we are inviting the world also to help create the resources in other languages besides the 30 languages. Thank you so much, Sunita Agandi and Engamai. It was wonderful, wonderful to have you on the podcast here. But you can find this podcast, Yakuma podcast, on Anchor, Spotify, Apple, Google, and you can go to www.wetalkpodcast.co.uk. And more details are going to be on the bottom of the episode on in words. So you can find um, all the speakers' details and links as well online. Share it with your friends and thank you. <laughs>